Hey, college kids, this is part two of my interview with Margarita, so if you have not checked out part one, make sure to do so. Subscribe and check out my blog, collegerealitycheck.com, for more information. But other than that, I hope you enjoy. Okay, well, you go to Brown because you think you're going to be happiest there. Let's see if it lived up to your expectations now. So going in to Brown, I actually, the last person I interviewed, he actually also goes to Brown. Oh, really? But he's a, I believe he's a, he was a sophomore, right? I don't think you know, but he was a sophomore and he was um, talking about the curriculum at Brown. So can you tell us, actually, the lack of a curriculum at Brown? So can you tell us about how Brown sets up their um, requirements for students how, how do students arrive upon a major and such like that? Because a lot of schools have set requirements, like you need to do this many STEM yeah. classes, this many humanities, but Brown doesn't have that. They have like one requirement. Yeah, no, it's super easy. There's no requirements. <laughs> you have to take a writing class, but by yeah. writing, it's not like there are science classes that are writ classes. Basically by writing, they just mean you do, you write in them. <laughs> so you could take like a math class and it could be a writ class. You could take a science class you could take a physics class I like half most of the classes I've taken are writ classes and you only have to do one <laughs> or like one for your first two years and one for your second two so is this why brown students are ranked as the happiest well I think that there probably is a pretty high correlation because it is nice when you're in class like everyone we also have something called the shopping period which is what's going on right now which is you can go to any class you want Right now, I can go and sit into a grad seminar, sociology seminar. I can go to class on Mars and different planets. I can go to an English class, a history class. And I have two weeks to decide what classes I want to take. And I choose four classes. And those are the four I take for the semester. Mm -hmm. So you end up in an environment where everyone in that class wants to be in that class. No one was forced to take any class. No one has like a requirement other than your major requirements. Um, everyone chose to be in that class. So it's really nice having that environment where everyone's excited to learn and excited about the classes they're taking because they chose it themselves. Mm -hmm. And so coming into freshman year, what classes did you, I mean, you did your shopping period and what classes did you end up choosing? Were there any that were like related to your major and automatically off the bat, you were like, oh yes, this is what I want to do. Interesting. I feel like I can probably find them if I, okay, yeah, I found them. I took um, I took a class called Introduction to International Politics, which ended up being a requirement for poli sci, which is my major now, one of my majors. I took Ethics and Public Policy, which was like an upperclassman class, but I was a freshman and I was like, I want to do this. <laughs> so they just let me do it because I was really annoying. <laughs> um, I took Science and Social Controversy, which was a really good class that I really enjoyed. And then I took Introduction to Music Theory. So that's that's why the open curriculum is so great. I could take like an STS class about science and social controversy and I could take a music theory class and a poli sci class and a philosophy class on the same semester. Okay. And did you have, I, I was, I'm supposed to ask this like in high school, but did you have any idea coming into um, high school, like what exactly you wanted to do? Because you were when you were applying to those UK schools, you said specifically, like this, this, this is why I'm qualified for politics. So coming into Brown, were you already kind of set with politics? Yeah, I always like politics. My parents are diplomats in the UN. So I, I always like 
that field. Now, ever since getting to Brown, I joined the um, mock trial team. And so I've started thinking about law a little bit more, which is really funny because I never wanted to do law. I looked mm-hmm. at my parents and I was like, I will never be like them. And now I'm like considering being like them. But yeah, I kind of always wanted to do like politics, IR, mm-hmm. maybe law. Yeah. Oh, so you're still like undecided. Okay, not undecided, but you're not 100% sure where you want to go into? Yeah, I have no clue how I'm, I know kind of what I want to do. Like I want to be some sort of politician. I have no clue how to get there. <laughs> but I think that's um, that's also what you'll find when you get to university. Like you're not supposed to know your path when you're 20. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and also with the guy I was interviewing, the one that went to Brown, again, you're going to have to elaborate on this again, but he said the grading system is also pretty chill. Like Grading system is so nice. You either have an A, B, C. You can't fail. If you fail, it doesn't show up on your transcript. That's, like, that's what was it, class. yeah. And then you can take any class pass-fail. So instead of getting a grade, you either pass the class or you fail the class. Can you and choose I, all your classes to be pass-fail? Yeah, you can. And it's so nice. <laughs> I think it alleviates so much pressure because, like, imagine you have to take or like, there are major requirements, right? And if there's a requirement that you really dread taking, like, I had logic and philosophy that I took while also taking, like, I took five classes instead of four, so, like, an increased course load. And um, that alleviated so much pressure. Like I was able to take an increased course load by taking logic, pass, fail. Um, It's also so nice that we don't have plus and minuses because we're a school full of like perfectionists and overachievers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we would all like rip our hair out if we were all trying to have A pluses everywhere. And this just makes it so much easier. Like you just get an A and you don't worry about the difference between a 99 and a 91 or a 95 or whatever. and I, yeah, and I genuinely think that that contributes to like a certain level of happiness or like stress reduction on campus because people just, there's so many outlets to alleviate academic pressure at Brown. In fact, Brown doesn't calculate our GPA. We technically have no GPA. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the other thing I remembered. And another question I have is, let's say you're like in a class and you have the C in the class, which is the lowest, I guess you can get without like failing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I have like a C in the class, and I'm like, sure, I can't list it up. Can I change it to a pass-fail? No, there is a deadline. Oh, okay. So like, the deadline's like three weeks into the semester. So you have to choose. The point of pass-fail is not to like make your grades look better. It's to encourage you to take classes that are like outside of your concentration or that are like more rigorous or whatever. So I, the administration purposely doesn't want to design it so that students can just pad up their resume they want it to but rather to like encourage learning and curiosity and experimentation i mean yeah having the completely stress-free environment is i I can understand why students are happy yeah okay so one thing that i did not get to do with that guy that i interviewed his name is seth let's just i'm not gonna keep saying that guy (laughs) but the um with him is he didn't have much it was a college experience And the way he described how Brown handled the COVID situation was like really, really weird. But you did have like a semi-normal year, freshman year. So coming into Brown, can you tell us about, you know, the dorms and the food and how did you make friends? Were you 
did you make good friends with your roommate? Did you hate your roommate? What was like the situation there? You know, your experience, yeah, I probably just have, like the social part of it. Yeah, I probably have a way more positive view of Brown than any sophomore because the sophomores really got, you know, like starting during COVID and having virtual classes and everything was like rough for everyone and especially as a freshman. Um, I loved freshman year. <laughs> I was so sad when we got gifted off campus. Everyone was crying. Um, I loved my roommate. I went to international orientation and most of my friends, I'm living off campus this year with eight of my friends. They're all international students. We all met in pre-orientation mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're, we've been friends since then. Um, yeah, I went to international orientation, made great friends. My What's international roommate, orientation? It, it's like a pre-orientation program for international students. Okay. Um, my roommate wasn't part of that friend group, but I was still friends with them. Um, and we're still friends. We're getting dinner soon tonight <laughs> or after tomorrow. Um, I joined the mock trial team and I made a ton of friends through that, through there. So I feel like mock trial is a really big part of my time at Brown. Um, I also really liked like the other extracurriculars I did. So mock trial, I traveled a lot with mock trial. So it was really fun. Also, we got to um, travel to Georgia or um, different, different states like Pennsylvania and New Jersey um, with our friends and compete. I did like volunteering in the, in Providence and the Providence public schools. Um, I can't think of all the other things I've done, but I did more than that, <laughs> but it was just like a great experience. I liked the classes I took. I loved the people. Um, I liked my extracurriculars. It's also like really, so I went to a French school where in my opinion, the social climate was a little clicky and I got to Brown and everyone was super nice, super open. Like, you want to go to a party, the invite's always there. Like, <laughs> the frats are not super, like, um, I, I forgot the word in English, but they're not exclusive. Like, they're not yeah. really exclusive. Anyone can go to anything. Um, so, yeah, it was great. I had a really positive experience. And a lot of people I interview, again, these are the people who have had a quote-unquote normal year, like, at school pre-COVID. They would say like the first semester of freshman year was horrible for them. Like they felt so lonely since they were far away from their home as well. Did you not feel that way at all? Not at all. But (laughs) I think that's because I came in expecting that. I came into college and I was like, I ended up high school with like friends that I thought were like really close friends. And I was like a little sad. I I did a trip after graduation with everyone. And at the end of the trip, everyone was sad. And we were like, we're going to miss each other, etc. So I came into college expecting to be lonely. Um, And because I expected that, I think I was surprised the other way about like, oh, my friends, I found friends so easily. This is dope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I have a lot of friends in high school who had the opposite, who expected to get to college and just make friends and didn't expect the loneliness. And so they had that experience that was kind of negative and kind of rough. Um, And so that's a big, really big piece of advice that I have, like, expect to go into college and experience a tiny bit of loneliness like it makes sense right that you're in a new place the first couple of months are going to be you getting used to it and making friends but it'll get better it, it always gets better everyone loves college or most people love college <laughs> yeah my, my dad tells me it is the best years of your life at least just that age not the college but 18 like to 22 well hopefully it'll get better after this <laughs> yeah hopefully i won't be get 22 but this is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And l- let's go into the dorms and food at Brown. So tell me, what is the dorm situation at Brown? Much better than Georgetown? What, what's the food like? 
Do they have uh, like multiple options or is it standard burgers, pizza, stuff like that? Um, so the food is the bane of my existence. <laughs> it's so expensive. And now I'm off meal plan because I'm finally living off campus. It's honestly not that bad. I think if you interviewed most people, they'd say it's fine. Um, there's a lot of, op- again, the freshmen who are now sophomores who have never been inside the cafeteria probably <laughs> will be surprised when they go in. They can yesterday was the first time it opened in person since March of 2019. But um, there's like a pizza station, an omelet station, a salad bar, burger place, a hot plate place. There's a lot of options. It's just really expensive. I think if you do the math, it comes down to like 15 bucks a meal, which is too much. Yeah, it's so, so expensive. What kind of meal plan do you guys have? Um, There's different ones. There's like 20 meals a week. There's 14 meals a week. There's like off-campus meal plan, which gives you like 12 swipes. So it's just expensive, which is why I dislike it. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the lack of control. I think I just like controlling what I eat. Um, And then the dorms, the freshman dorms are actually pretty nice. Um, The sophomore ones a little less so. Um, And so that's why I'm living off-campus this semester. It's just, again, it's expensive. Like it's, I'm paying. Is it cheaper to live off-campus and make your uh, food? Exactly. It's way cheaper to rent a room off campus. And it's way, way cheaper to like cook your own food. If you buy at a grocery store, like pasta and tomato sauce, that's a two bu- two bucks to make that mm-hmm. meal, as opposed to the $15 you're paying at the cafeteria. So you save a ton of money by living off campus. And it's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun to live in a house with your friends. <laughs> okay, how is it living with eight other people? Um, It's a house. So there's four people per floor. And we've been here for a week so <laughs> nothing bad so far <laughs> but um super super fun to come back home and just be with your friends and yeah it's super fun but mm-hmm. yeah there's not much more I can say the week has been good <laughs> that's got me yeah it is only first week I can imagine like a bunch of girls living in one house though yeah. okay so I want to get on to more I guess the last like main topic before we end here which is internships like extracurriculars at college so you're a junior now have you had any sort of internships in your college career or years yeah I um so because I got an internship to work at this NGO in Durban South Africa my this what an NGO and a non-profit Uh, okay in South Africa for educational attainment so it was like an education NGO, a nonprofit in Durban, South Africa. Obviously, I didn't get to go because of COVID. And that was the year that we got kicked off campus. And then everything was in lockdown um, that summer. So I still did that remotely. Um, and what then, did you do in your internship? Like, And how did Brown help you find that? Honestly, not a ton. So the, the person who offered me the internship was a Brown alum. So that's how I got it. The, it there was a, there's like a Brown Connect. Mm-hmm. That's this... Um, this website with listings that of all these different internship opportunities and you can sort by um, whether the person offering the the internship is a Brown alum. And so you have higher likelihood of getting it if they're also a Brown alum. So that's how I got the internship. And then Brown also, I like got one of their sprint awards. So it's one of those, like I got $2,000 because I wasn't getting paid for the internship. So I got $2,000 from Brown. Um, And I didn't do that much. It was the year of COVID. So it was a little bit unorganized. Like um, I wrote a research paper 
I developed a, a um, education curriculum to teach um, youth in South Africa and in Durban about climate change and sustainability. I, um, I wrote two research papers actually. Um, and just, I mean, I did do quite a few things. It's just, yeah, that does sound like quite a bit. I would have been doing substantially more if I were there in person and I could actually, we had this program about like, of like sending um, seeds and like a mini garden to people there. But obviously it's really tough when you're not there in person to build strong connections or see your long-term impact. So if you, if let's say there was no COVID and you had this internship, would it be more like study abroad that you did? Um, I wouldn't be studying. I'd just be interning there, working at the NGO. I wouldn't really be taking classes now. Oh, so you would be in South Africa actually interning there? Yeah, I think so. I think I would, I, I would have had to convince my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that was the plan. Yeah. And it would have been good, but. And let's talk about, you did mention quite a few in mock trial, specifically extracurriculars at Brown. So can you tell me, how did you get into mock trial and how do college extracurriculars differ from those in high school to the best that you can, because you didn't go to a traditional U.S. high school? Yeah. So I don't know if I, from my understanding, you don't have to, but this is something that shocked me when I got to Brown, you have to apply to clubs because it's kind of like, kind of does make sense. The clubs are more competitive or high stakes. So you have to like apply to get into them. So I applied for mock trial. And I think there were a lot of people who applied in very little spots. So it was also like, I was lucky to get a spot on the team. Um, Yeah. And since being on mock trial, I've started thinking a lot more about if I want to do law and if I want to go to law school and stuff like that. So what do you do in mock trial? Like you said, there are a bunch of competitions too. So do you compete with like other colleges across America? Yeah, exactly. There's competitions. We travel to this year. I think we're traveling to Vanderbilt, Duke and Yale and also maybe Florida, but we don't know about whether or not we should fly to Florida right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're still debating that one. Um, and you have a case that's really long. It's like a hundred pages. <laughs> and based on that case, you have to put on yeah a mock trial. Um, so you get either the defense or the prosecution um, or the plaintiff if it's, if it's a civil case and you yeah, if you're a prosecution, you're prosecuting someone. If you're defending someone, you're on defense. And you have the witnesses that you pretend to be. So you call up a witness and you're like, hi, I'm a witness. This is what I saw. Or you could be an attorney and you're the one who's um, asking the questions or giving a speech. So are you guys like within mock trial at um, Brown, are you guys competing? I would say competing, but doing it all together? Or are you preparing to do it against another school? So the teams, the, there's three witnesses on each side, and then there's three attorneys. So the teams are of six people, actually more than six because there's um, contingencies. So like if they take the witness you want, you have to have another witness. So you have it's from six to 10 people on a team, and you compete against another team from another school. So we compete against teams from all over the country since they also fly to the tournaments that we go to. And uh, which schools have you competed against? Oh, so many. <laughs> I don't even remember all the ones we've been, like George Washington, Georgetown, Harvard, mm-hmm. Stanford, Yale. But also those are not the most, um, the best mock trial teams are not from the top schools. Also like, I don't know, you, Florida State University is a pretty good team. Um, I don't know, we've competed against Rutgers or UMBC or Williams and Mary. Like some state universities have some of the best mock trial teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this do you guys place like 
placed, you know, one, two, three like that? Yeah, if you make it to nationals, there's like, you go through like regionals to get to orcs, you go through orcs to get to nationals, and then at nationals, there's like the winners. Um, How far we, has your team made it? We, we, we went to nationals before I was on the team. And then in my experience, I've never gone, but that's also because my freshman year was COVID, right? So we yeah. Got, we got stumped right before. And then last year was virtual. So we made it to orcs and then we didn't get a bid for nationals. But it was also a very different experience competing online as opposed to in person. So, Yep. Okay. So I think we can wrap up here. One last thing I do with everybody is advice. So this is good because I've been interviewing a lot of sophomores who have not really gone through much of college. And hopefully, you know, next coming years are going to be normal college experience. So number one, what advice would you give for high school students? It can be about anything. It can be, you can do something for like, you know, students who are in your circumstance that went to a different type of school in America, or you can do for like, you know, regular high school students, general life advice in high school, anything you want. And the same thing, one piece of advice for college students, maybe college students who are coming in since it's the beginning of the school year. So what advice would you give for those two groups? Um, For high school students, I know a lot of times uh, students are really stressed out about their college application. And I think, or at least what school they end up at, And something that I found super comforting was um, there was a study done on students who got into Harvard and went as opposed to students who got into Harvard and didn't go. And like long term, 30 years out, they both had the same level of achievement. Like they both had similar levels of income, similar levels of um, of like the status in their job was similarly as just as high. So it doesn't matter what school you go to, (laughs) Um, especially if it's for financial reasons and you have to take a state school as opposed to one of the like big prestigious ones or whatever. Um, It's you, the person who will be successful. It's not the college that'll make you successful. So don't stress out about where you end up at. Also, you'll be happy wherever. If you are a happy person, (laughs) you will be happy wherever you go. So I don't think that there should be that much pressure as to what school you go to. Just pick the one that you feel is right and go. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. can we pause here? So there's one question I keep forgetting because you do go to an Ivy league and, and it's not just Ivy league, but a lot of top schools, a lot of rich kids, like rich, rich kids go to those top schools. You personally, at your experience at Brown, have you ever encountered a sort of like elite kind of atmosphere? Is it obvious who the rich kids are versus those who are middle-class or of lower income? Was, is there any sort of like, I guess, we could say like an elite atmosphere at Brown? Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm in the international community a lot. And there's no denying that there tends to be a correlation between like high socioeconomic status and me in the international community because Brown offers very little financial aid to international students. So a lot of international students have to pay full price. Um, so there, it's definitely true that there's a lot of people from very, very high incomes at Brown. Um, that being said, I don't think I can tell. <laughs> no, um, and I have friends who come from very different socioeconomic backgrounds, but um, it's definitely true that there is kind of a monolith of like <laughs> mm-hmm. a, back, a type of background that ends up at these schools. 
Um, I have never felt it super elitist, but I don't know if my perception of it is accurate because I have always gone. I went to a school on the Upper East Side in New York. Um, and even though I didn't pay full price for that tuition either, I still grew up around so much wealth that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always been in these environments. So I don't feel like it's super elitist, but I don't know if my perspective is the most accurate one or the voice to listen to about that. Yeah, I was asking because, I mean, everybody knows the people who go to these schools are like, I'm yeah. not talking like upper middle class. I'm talking like rich, rich go to these schools. Yeah. So yeah, I was just wondering, because I keep forgetting to ask that with you know, really prestigious schools. All right. So last thing, college advice, what advice would you give for incoming college students? Um, I don't know. I think college is one of those things where you just have to go and mess up and then <laughs> figure it out for your own. So I don't know. My advice would just be like to try everything or like don't overwork yourself. That's a very big one. My rule is if it's not done by midnight, it's not getting done. I <laughs> just go to bed because <laughs> I will not sacrifice my eight hours of sleep for any class or club or whatever. Um, also, like, try out a bunch of clubs and then you can, like, do the cut of the ones that you actually like. Um, also, you don't need to work that hard on your academics is one of, I guess that's my big advice. Like, obviously, make sure you're doing well, but don't, like, stress out so much about having perfect grades or the perfect transcript or the perfect, like even internships, you need one internship for summer. (laughs) Some people go a little crazy and they have like four or whatever, or like they try and like overboard themselves so much. Um, But at the end of the day, all you need is to like really dedicate yourself fully to like a couple of things and you will end up fine. My very best friends who have graduated um, and who have very good, (laughs) like starting salaries at very, big prestigious companies they also were they were able to achieve all of that despite not having perfect grades and despite not doing a million things what they did they did well and they really focused on it and that was enough to get them a very prestigious high salary job so yeah just really treasure the social time like the time fostering friendships and connections and don't focus on your academics as much obviously don't flunk out but <laughs> mm-hmm. Just be work smart, not hard. That's grades are not everything. Yes, grades or even like some people are like really adamant about doing every single reading, doing every single etc. And like sometimes taking the shortcuts to prioritize other things in life are end up being more valuable in my opinion. All right, all right. Thank you very much for coming today. Have a good evening. I can say. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Bye bye. Bye.